Posse Packer Nation. Welcome to another episode of Packcast, the podcast where you don't have to be a Packers fan, but it sure does help. I'm your host, Tim Grassi. And today, it's a throwback Thursday because that's when this is going to come out. So it's still relevant, even though it's getting recorded on Wednesday. That's right. We're getting a guest in which it will be a blast from the past. We had him on four years ago. I found him after he was highly recommended by the Jaguar subreddit. I reached out to him today, at yesterday, whatever day, and he got back to me and we were able to make this magic happen. So I am so happy to bring back on the show, Colin, otherwise known as Jaguar Gator 9. Colin, thanks so much for coming on, bud. It's gonna be a blast. How's it going? Been four years, it's been a while. It's been a while. It's been. <laughs> Have we played since then? I feel like not maybe since w- then. No. Yeah, right. That that's been it. So I was just yeah. like, oh, maybe I brought someone up. Nope. It was just it's just been it's the four year tradition yeah. that we see the Jacksonville Jaguars once again. I was at that game four years ago when the uh, the screen pass to Alan Hearns on fourth and one or fourth and two, whatever it was. It was a horrible play and just just broke my heart and that just set the tone for the rest of that season. <laughs> and then you're like, and here we are. Yeah. Here we are. Now now listen. A lot has changed in four years. A lot has changed. I mean, one, we're on video now. That's that's a new thing. Because back then it was just plain old audio. We were we were rocking and rolling with. And I believe if I'm not mistaken, that was week one, right? Yeah, was week our one. matchup? It was week one. We were both excited for the season to begin. And you kind of went through like uh, you meaning the Jaguars, they kind of went through like a bunch of transitions. They were like really, really good for a stretch, and then bad things occurred. And and I kind of like wanna, you know catch up a little bit and kind of what has the last four years looked like as a Jacksonville Jaguars fan? I I can't even begin to describe it. It feels like, it feels like a fever dream to an extent, like 2017, it feels like it never happened. Yeah. It feels like one of those things where like, did I just really relive that? Cause you you have to look at it like this. When I started high school in 2011, we were five and 11. 2 and 14 the next year, 4 and 12, 3 and 13, 5 and 11, 3 and 13, one game away from the Super Bowl, maybe even one play away from the Super Bowl, yeah. and then 5 and 11, 6 and 10, and then this year probably going to get the number one or number two pick of the draft. So it feels like just that weird blip. It was the flukiest season of all time. And I, I don't know how we've been so bad for pretty much my whole life. And then we just have a one year out of nowhere with Blake Bortles at quarterback that we are maybe one play away from the Super Bowl. So I, it, it's been weird. It's been weird. Before it was we didn't have enough talent, and then it was all the talent left. So <laughs> we're, we're kind of back to square one. <laughs> all right. So in that case, like not much has changed from like no. where we were four years ago to like now. Because like I, I, I still remember vividly, and, and when I was looking ahead at this matchup, I, like you came into my mind, and I think the thing that stuck out to me the most was the curse of – you buying jerseys yes. and what happens to those players. Now, again, we, you know, we, we've gotten a lot more fans uh, since then. So can you please remind people kind of what is it with you purchasing jerseys and then what happens to those players? So every time I purchase a jersey, the player then either stinks or they get traded or they get released or something along those lines. I have down to very few players left that are active. Uh, I got a Marquis Lee jersey after 2017. 
he never played another game for the Jaguars after that, just suffered the injury bug. So that was nice. Um, <laughs> I have, I have a few Gabbert jerseys. They're just dusting up in my closet. Uh, I got a Luke Jokel Jersey for some reason. I don't know why I got that. I had high hopes for him. He, he did nothing. Uh, and I got AJ boy in the background. You might be able to see, got him as an autograph Jersey. I, I want it. Uh, he lasted one more year after I got that before he got traded away to Denver and I got a Gardner Minshew autographed jersey this offseason, and it looks like he is going to be riding the bench starting next year. So, yeah, my jersey history, not that good. It hasn't gotten any – like, did you buy a Jalen Ramsey jersey? Fortunately not. Fortunately, okay. fortunately, I have not. The problem is that, though, like, I stick to retired players for the most part nowadays, but we're a young team. It's not like the Packers when they've been around for a century. I'm running out of players. I'm running out of good players that are retired that I can buy. I mean, I'm, I'm about one month away from getting a Mercedes Lewis jersey just because <laughs> he's, he's going to play till he's 45. And he's, Listen, he, he we love him. For a oh, he's so good. He's just, he's all reliable. He is all reliable. Just a good blocking tight end. He was with us for over a decade. I don't know why we let him go, but we love him in Jacksonville. <laughs> yeah, I feel like at some point you're just be like, I guess I'm not getting another jersey for 15 years. Like, <laughs> yeah. I feel like... <laughs> That that's what we're gonna be stuck with, cause yeah, yeah. showing up to it with a Blaine Gabbert jersey is like not gonna. <laughs> that's not gonna be the way, my friend. Yeah. <laughs> People are gonna I, be looks. Yeah, it would work if the Jags ever become good, because it's like, oh, this guy's a real one. This guy's a real fan. But right now, yeah, no, it's just nothing but embarrassment. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'm sorry to hear that it hasn't gotten better. And and you bring up, you know, one of the latest jerseys in your uh, collection, and that is, of course, of the man, the myth, the mustache. Gardner Minshew. So I kind of like want to walk through this with you. So last year you get Nick Foles, you pay him a boatload of money, right? You get your guy. Woo. Gonna do it. We'll talk about if you were happy about that in a second, but (laughs) Nick Foles lasts all about, you know, 10 seconds. And then this kid comes in who dresses like a seventies porn star, which is the greatest fashion advice and also compliment I could ever give somebody and lights up the league, not only on the stat sheet, but also in the hearts of millions. So can you kind of walk me through last season? Because if we're talking fever dreams, I feel like that one in and of itself, like that could have been like three seasons into one. You know, that's that's Game of Thrones, like last season where they're just like hurrying it on up and getting through plot points at this uh, at this rate. So what was going on last year when you bring in Nick Foles, how did you feel? And then when Minshew like kind of rises to stardom, where are you at? So the thing with Nick Foles was that I was okay with the move, not at the $88 million price tag, but I was like, you know what? You're getting a Super Bowl MVP quarterback. You've lived with Blaine Gabbard and Blake Bortles for the past decade. I was, I was fine with that move, just not at that price tag. And then the preseason happened. And when the preseason happened, Minshew played most of that. Uh, Doug Marone didn't play a whole lot of the starters. And we looked awful that preseason, like absolutely terrible. And, I think we scored like 27 points in the four games. Minshew played most of that. And I was at the first preseason game against Baltimore and we scored no points. Minshew looked awful. He missed a few throws. I don't think we crossed midfield that game. And after the preseason, I was like, I don't know if Minshew can be on the roster. Yeah. Like if Foles gets hurt and God knows he will get hurt because he's never played a full season. Nope. We are, we cannot be one hit away from having Gardner Minshew play. And sure enough, the second drive of the season after Foles has a beautiful throw to DJ Chark, my worst nightmare happens. And Minshew comes in and I'm like, oh, this, the season's over already. 
Yeah. Season's over. And then he just lights it up. I think he puts 90% of his passes the first week. And I'm like, okay, there, there might be something here. And then he plays the Texans leads, what should have been a game winning drive if we didn't call the uh, stupid two point conversion uh, to Leonard Fournette. And I'm like, okay, there might be something. And then he throws two touchdowns and wins on Thursday night against Tennessee. I'm like, this guy, this guy might be able to play. Yeah. And then we, and then we come back from behind against Denver the following week. He leads a game winning drive at the end. I'm like, okay, we, we might actually have something here. So he was a whole lot of fun to watch. Uh, but for a six round pick, $700,000 contract, you cannot ask for much more than what Minshew gave you, especially last year. And even though I think Kyler Murray is better, I, especially this year, I mean, it's not even close. I really think Gardner Minshew deserved rookie of the year last year. If you look at the numbers, you look at what he was able to do wins wise and the number of games he played, I think Minshew had the, the better rookie season. Yeah. So he, he just, he was a breath of fresh air. So much yeah. fun to watch. And I feel like it just like, it, it made like, I, I know this is going to sound insulting. Like <laughs> I started paying attention to the Jaguars. Cause I was like, even, like, they're a totally different conference. Like we only play them every four years, but I was like, this is fun. Like, you know, his Jersey sales were like through the roof. Like it, uh, that was awesome. And yeah. I feel like that had to be like, kind of like the shot in the arm that like that, that, fan base needed right like yeah. in in which you were just like we are begging like for like you know some good st- and like you have a guy come in with all like this moxie and enthusiasm and you're just like yeah okay yeah. I, I will take Gardner Minshew yeah it's funny about Minshew because in my life as a Jags fan no one really knows anything that's going on in Jacksonville but when I put on a Jags hat and I go out in public uh about 50 percent of the people that speak to me they speak about Gardner Minshew yeah like they love this guy it's impossible to hate the guy he's he's literally like Uncle Rico playing in the NFL he's literally a caricature playing in the NFL and he's just fun to watch he's a fun personality I we, we just get fun personalities in Jacksonville quarterback from yeah. Blake Bortles of uh, working construction ripping cigs to uh to Gardner Minshew we just we have fun personalities we, we know how to get they don't know how to play necessarily but we know how to get the personalities <laughs> You're like, hey, they might be terrible, but at we least they're them. fun. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. You know, it's, it's a give and take. It's a give and yeah. take. <laughs> and you spoke to earlier about kind of like this exodus of talent that occurred, you know, with the Jacksonville Jaguars. And like you were saying, like, you know, there was times where you were devoid of talent and then you had a lot of talent and then they kind of all left. I know that there was like uh, some controversy going on, um, you know, with like Coughlin and there's like, there's a number of issues that were going on behind the scenes. So like for you, is that like, how do you feel about like watching these guys like go? I feel like with Nick Foles, you know, the fact that you traded him away and you were still able to get good value for him, Mm -hmm. you know, like, you know, it's not the, it's not great, obviously, but it's not the worst thing in the world. Obviously he's lighting it up over in Chicago. Sorry. I had to, I had to give that a little bit, (laughs) a little bit of a poke there. But like, I'm curious, like as a fan, and it, it kind of seems like it's been a revolving door for the past couple of years. Like, do you even like get attached to players like at this point? Or is it kind of just like, hey, it just seems like it's constant rebuild mode. Yeah, there are very few players I get attached to because I, I just fear that we're going to lose them all. Yeah. I mean, the only one that I really get attached to is Josh Lambeau and he's our kicker. I mean, that, that pretty much says everything. Foles I didn't mind because with Foles, he looked awful. Yeah. Uh, he was 0-4. He looked awful when he came back mid-season. So I had no problem giving him away to Chicago. And it seems like that has been a phenomenal decision based on how he's playing right now. But, I mean, you look at Jalen Ramsey. Also, I didn't have a problem with trading him away for two first-round picks. That's yeah. pretty good value. Uh, but you lose guys like Allen Robinson in free agency. You lose 
Yannick Ngakwe. I mean, we had a phenomenal draft class 2016. You get Jalen Ramsey, Miles Jack, Yannick Ngakwe. That's a core of a defense right there. Yeah. I mean, that's a phenomenal core. That's what, that's the core that made Saxonville what it was. And then you trade Ngakwe away. He doesn't want to be there. Uh, you trade Boye away. The one that hurt the most was Clay Campbell. That one by far was the one that hurt the most because Campbell could still play and he's still playing really well in Baltimore. Yeah. Three seasons in Jacksonville, three Pro Bowls, playing lights out, Walter Payton Man of the Year. He was loved in that city. And the thing that hurts me the most, besides the fact we only got a fifth-round pick for Calais, is that with the exception of guys like Calais and Boye, it seems like everyone that we've gotten rid of, traded away, or released, they didn't want to be here. Yeah. It seems like every single time, uh, Fournette, uh, Fowler, you look at all these guys, Ramsey especially, that something comes out after they're gone. And it feels like a dysfunctional franchise right now. Because you don't yeah. hear about this with every single team. I mean, there's some instances like, like Tack McKinley in Atlanta, where he basically said, I'm a bust, cut me. I mean, that was, that was hysterical. But with Jacksonville, it seems like every single player. And I remember when Coughlin was there, before he got fired, there was a, there was a thing by the NFLPA that said 25% of all grievances filed in the last three years were from the Jaguars. 25% yep. on one team. Yep. It's just, it's a dysfunctional franchise. And between that, between the fact that we're constantly losing, the fact that every year we lose a game to London and our owner says the franchise isn't necessarily viable in Jacksonville, it just feels like a weird relationship. Like, it's like, this isn't normal. Like, yeah. I love this team with all my heart, but it's like, this is not normal. And I have to recognize that, that this is not what being a fan should be like, where every time a player gets good, you worry that they're going to demand a trade or you're going to lose him because your front office isn't going to keep him. It seems like we're eternally in the top of the cap space because yeah. we just can't hold on to guys. It's like, it's like I, I compare it to the Seinfeld episode where Jerry gets the reservations. Like you can do a good job getting the reservation. You just don't know how to hold the reservation. Yeah. And the holding is the most important part of the reservation. It's like that. We, it seems like now we know how to get talent to an extent. I mean, some of our yeah. picks have been awful, but we know how to get the talent as evidenced by the Saxonville thing, but we, we just can't hold on to it. And that, that's what hurts the most. So in, in, with that logic, then, you know, where can you start pointing to like, hey, this is what needs to change. I mean, are you looking at owner? Are you looking at GM? Are you looking at head coach? I mean, I know the head coach, yeah. You know, I know we're, we're just like, wait, wait, how come this hasn't happened yet? Like, I, 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 I understand yeah. that one, but from your like perspective, because again, once you start, you know, and I feel like you had this, you had this in Washington too, mm -hmm. you know, once you, I don't want to say lose the fan base, but like there is that disconnect between the fan base, like that, that ain't a good sign. Like that is like one of like the, the problems of, with franchises. I mean, you look at it you know, for years, like with the Chargers, you know, when they were in San Diego, no one's showing up to their games and, and everything like that. Like, I'm just curious of, okay, what needs to change to either one, bring the fan base back into the fold or two, and I would argue you know, almost as important is keeping the talented players because it's not an issue of cap. Yeah, I, I honestly, I don't know what's going to change because I don't know. Obviously, if I, if I were in charge, everything would be gone. GM, head coach, everything, owner, everything's gone. The problem right now is that I, I don't think anything's going to change because I don't think Dave Caldwell is getting fired as a GM. And look, I don't hate Dave Caldwell. Mm -hmm. uh, he's way better than our last GM, Gene Smith. But at the end of the day, and I don't know what picks he made over the last three years versus what picks Tom Coughlin made. I don't know who was in charge. That was a weird structure. But at the end of the day, the record speaks for itself. And eight years, you're going to have double-digit losses. Unless we go on a tear these next few weeks, which is not going to happen, you're going to have double-digit losses in seven of them. And yet he's still probably going to have a job. There has been no reports saying that his hot, his seat is hot. 
Mm. He's got 12 picks for 2021. You don't trade all this talent away for future picks if you're not going to be the GM next year. Normally, if you're a GM that needs to win now, you trade away those picks and you acquire talent. You don't trade away for future picks for your successor to do that. So I think sure. he's safe. I don't know if Marone's safe. I, I think he's going to be gone at the end of the year. But who's going to want to come to Jacksonville at that point if it's still the GM who probably will have a hot seat? Uh, and you could have a lame duck head coach because if the Jags aren't that good after one year, they could fire the GM and that GM could want his, his own coach, just like yeah. what happened in 2012 uh, with Gene Smith and Mike Malarkey. So I don't know if Shotgun, the owner, really wants to win. I really – I don't know hmm. because you look at the record and nothing's changed. At the end of the day, we've had double-digit losses in eight of the nine seasons that Shotgun has been the owner, and we've had – virtually no change. We've had nothing to show for it. It seems like he doesn't want to fire people. Either he doesn't want to fire people or he doesn't care. I don't know which one it is. And mm. it stinks because I because we loved we used to love Shot Khan in Jacksonville. We used to love him. Like 2017 especially, the first five years of his tenure, he was a hero in Jacksonville. But, oh, yeah. but everything is everything has soured ever since the raising of ticket prices in the wake of Saxonville uh, after that 2017 season. Uh, the questionable decisions um, the whole viability thing about Jacksonville not necessarily being a good NFL market. I don't know what's going to change. Maybe maybe getting that top two pick, hopefully Trevor Lawrence, maybe something like that will help. But at the end of the day, even though a quarterback is a problem, there are it's more than one thing. It's yeah. way more than one thing. This is a systemic problem, an organizational problem, and we just need to clean house completely if we want any chance of winning. Yeah, because, I mean, you know, going into this season – when I was looking at the Jaguars and kind of like looking at, you know, expectations, outlook, what have you, like my concern was like, I love Gardner Minshew and I like, I don't know about the team around Gardner mm -hmm. Minshew and what he has to do. And I feel like that this team as is, is not setting him up for success. Yeah. I think it's the complete opposite. So he could go out and, you know, and he could play his heart out and he can kick ass and do the very best that he can. But if he doesn't have a team around him, you know, then they can point and be like, well, we need Trevor Lawrence now. But I, I feel like even if you get a Trevor Lawrence, like you were just saying, like that's not going to fix all of these problems, right? You look at like, and, I, and I'll use the example of the Bears. You know, they were saying like Trubisky is terrible. They bring in Nick Foles. I'm like, it's not a Trubisky problem. Trubisky was bad, right? Trubisky wasn't the answer. But you look, they don't have an offensive line. They don't have a run game. Like they, they're bad at play calling. Like there's all these things and it's kind of what you're speaking to is that, yeah, you might get like a phenomenal player and that's great. You know, maybe that brings the fan base back a little bit, but like you got to build the team uh, around them. Yeah. And I feel like for this season, did you have confidence that like Gardner Minshew was still going to be the starter, either finishing the season or at the start of next season? Or were you kind of always looking like they're probably going to go QB? Yeah. See, what I thought with Minshew was that I thought he played extremely well in 2019, especially considering the circumstances. What I looked at with this roster in 2020 was, look, we're going to be awful on defense. We are going to either be in a spot where if we're winning games, it's because of Gardner Minshew. And if we're not winning games, we're going to be in a good spot to draft a franchise quarterback. I love Gardner as a person. I think he's incredible value for a six-round pick. He gave me a lot of good moments over sure. the past few years. He's not the guy, though. And it's not just because of the team around him. Um, he's not a good spot. But he starts off games slow. I can't remember the last time he ever started a game off hot. It seems like we're always playing from behind with him. Uh, his deep ball accuracy is not that good. He has to step into so many throws. He tries to make too much happen, which sometimes is really good. Sometimes it can lead to some magic, and sometimes it just leads to disaster. 
he misses about two or three receivers a game wide open. Um, he misses some guys deep. He either has bad deep ball accuracy or he doesn't look deep. Um, I think he's phenomenal value as a backup. And I think he can start on a few teams in the league. I really think he, he has a chance to start on a few teams. And if, if Jake Luton plays well the rest of the way, or at least until Minshew gets healthy, I have no problem keeping Luton around as a backup and seeing what we can get for Minshew, maybe a day two pick all things considered, and then drafting the guy, obviously. But the question for this year was whether or not Minshew was or was not going to be the guy. And I wanted to know the answer to that. And I think we have – the good thing is to say, even though he's not the guy, we have an answer. We're not waiting in the wings. It's not like he played well for three games and then he got hurt, and then it's like, okay, is, is he the guy? What's sure. going to happen next? We at least know now he's a great backup. He'll easily be one of the best backups in football, but he's not the franchise guy. Yeah. No, I think that makes sense. I think that's a fair analysis too. I mean, you know, it, it'd be great if you could check off that box and be like, good, we could just draft like some really great players around, you know, Gardner Minshew. But, you know, considering the QB class coming into this year, you know, is pretty damn strong. Mm-hmm. Oh, I will say the Jets are going to fight you for that first round pick because they are. I was furious on Monday. I was furious about that. <laughs> there, a lot of people were. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> You know, but then that's the thing too. Like, I, I feel like even if, you know, they wind up moving away from Sam Darnold, like they're in there. I think they are the perfect example of like their systemic issues there uh, it, it, with the Jets. And I, and I feel like with, and I feel almost bad for it too. Like you look at Joe Burrow right now in Cincinnati, like Cincinnati's a bad football team. They don't have an offensive line. You know, their defensive line is not great. And, you know, Joe Burrow has been looking great and he's been looking good, you know, especially um, with Higgins, like he's been able to connect with him and, and that's all the well and good and that that's great. But, you know, especially when you start getting these young QBs out of college that has so much potential, it's almost dangerous to kind of throw them right out there without a team around them because like, you know, that's how injuries happen and that's how like careers get shortened and all this stuff. So, you know, I'm curious to see kind of, you know, you have a lot of draft picks coming into, you know, next year's draft. I'm curious to see everyone else outside of a Trevor Lawrence or whoever, you know, whatever QB you wind up getting, you know, what those picks are going to be, whether it's, you know, to continue to build up that defense again, um, whether it's to kind of just, you know, maybe build up the offensive line a little bit. Like, I don't know. I mean, where do you see for future outlook, you know, what are some of the big, besides front office, like what are some of like the biggest (laughs) needs that this team, you know, has? I mean, pretty much everything at this point. I mean, I'll I'll put it this way, just to show how bad we are. Last Sunday against Houston was probably our best performance of the season. The offense looked good. Jake Luda made some really nice throws. James Robinson played out of his mind. The defense looked really good. They actually forced pressure for the first time, and we still lost. We played our best game, and we lost to a team that was one in six, which shows that this is a talent problem. There is very little talent on this team, we don't have a pass rush. Uh, there are maybe six players that could start on any team or half the teams in football. There's not too many. Uh, I would say pretty much every single position needs room for improvement. We need another big time receiver. Um, obviously, Chark is a great one. And I, I like Chanel. I think he can grow into that. But we, we need another big time receiver. Obviously, we need a quarterback. A backup running back, because obviously James Robinson is phenomenal. I love him. He's been a pleasant surprise this year because we didn't know what we were getting with him, but he looks amazing. Uh, but a backup would be nice. Tight end is always nice. We haven't had a tight end since Mercedes. Uh, offensive line, uh, really, really anything besides special teams and running back. I mean, we're, we're just that bad. You're, you're, you're not the second worst team in football 
because of one bad thing. You're the second sure. receiving football because pretty much everything and anything that could go wrong has gone wrong. And we need help at pretty much every single position. So you're, you should, so you're basically telling me like the list would be shorter telling you who we, who is good, who like who we yeah. can keep. I yeah. get you. Okay. That, I mean, so it, also you're kind of telling me that if somehow the Green Bay Packers lose on Sunday, burn it all down, <laughs> just, yeah. just burn it to the ground. Toaster bass for everybody. Yeah. I, 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 I don't think you are going to lose. I mean, I think, I mean, I mean talking well, about I, a good I, running I, yeah. back. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I hate rooting against my team. Like I hate it, but it's, it's for the long term. It's for the greater good. Like I don't want, I don't necessarily want to win. I want to have fun. I want to have fun and I want to look good, but I don't necessarily want to win this game Uh, because while you'll feel nice in the moment to make that upset happen five hours after it's like, Oh, we may may have just shot ourselves out of getting Justin Fields or Trevor Lawrence. Like the short-term satisfaction might not be worth the long-term gain in what has been a wasted and a lost season for us. Yeah. I mean, I I've had that conversation with so many guests, like the whole idea of like tanking. And, and I find that like, there's such strong arguments on either side. Cause like, you know, even a few years ago, um, when we had the number 12 overall pick, you know, I looked at it when we, like we were in overtime with the jets and I was literally at that game and like, I was cheering for them to win. And as soon as they won, I got like swarmed by people who are like, why are you cheering? Like we now just got knocked out of the top 10. Like we're not going to be able to get uh, an Ed Oliver or a TJ Hawkinson or something like that. And I was just like, sorry. Like I would like, I wanted to watch my team win, but like, I understand the sentiment of like, right. Like that, that short-term instant gratification mm-hmm. rather than, you know, long-term saying this is going to help the team win more games in the future. Yeah. And in any other year, I, I always root for the Jags in any other year, but sure. it's the fact that this quarterback class is stacked. Trevor Lawrence is the best prospect to come out since Andrew Luck. And we need a franchise quarterback badly. I've never lived through a franchise quarterback. The best quarterback I've ever seen in my life is David Garrard. Since I've been a fan, the best quarterback I've seen is David Garrard. The bar is not high. So if, it, if it's a spot between you win the scheme, you get the seven pick versus you or you win the scheme, you get the seven pick, you lose the scheme, you get the six pick. I don't really care that much, but the fact that there's a franchise quarterback and we need a franchise quarterback long-term losing out would be the best case scenario. And I think we could, because I, I don't know, I don't remember the order of our schedule necessarily because COVID's messed everything up, but Green Bay, Minnesota, Chicago, Indy, Tennessee, Pittsburgh, Cleveland, Baltimore. I mean, that's, Ooh. that's kind of a gauntlet right there. I mean, yeah. we, we, we played Cincinnati, we played the chargers, we played the Texans twice. We got all the supposed bad teams out of the way. Like at this point in the season, we've got we're going to be double-digit underdogs in every single game. So I say, I say bring it on. I say bring it on. Let's <laughs> go one to fifteen. Let's let's keep this thing going. That's it. Let's just keep the train rolling and go Jets. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pray pray for the Jets to win one game, sneak into the number one spot, get Trevor Lawrence, and maybe I'll have hope again for the first time in three years. And then, yeah, and then four years from now we'll bring you back on, and you'll and we'll see like you're like yes, that was the right move to make. Like that was that was the good one. So. Looking ahead at this Sunday, uh, in Lambeau, you got you got the Jaguars coming in to town to take on Aaron Rodgers. We should have Alan Lazard back. Kevin King should be back. We'll see about Jair Alexander. The one thing I am concerned about, you know, is is that running game. You know, you you, you mentioned it. Our defense is not great at stopping the run. You know, that is one of the big problems. But can you kind of like explain what's going on with like your secondary or like how your run defense is doing to kind of like, you know, see where the Packers are going to match up with them. 
Al Lazard, another player that we let go for some reason. Thank you. That Thank we, you so much. Yeah for, yeah, for some reason, we kept Rashad Green over him, who just fumbles every punt, and he's not even on that team anymore. And we all love Lazard. I don't know why the coaching staff let him go, but he seems to be doing pretty well in Green Bay. Uh, but as for our defense, yeah, I mean, our offense is bad, um, but it has its moments. Our defense, there's nothing positive to say about them. There's really nothing at all. The, I mean, we allowed 30 straight points in six straight games before the Texans game. And that tied the record for the most consecutive games allowed with 30 points since the merger, which is always a good sign. Yeah, it's not um, a good stat. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a yeah. good stat. Yeah, that's yeah. That pretty, and our defense coordinator still has his job after all that. So that that's just about everything you need to know. Got it. Uh, and the streak got snapped on Sunday because we allowed 27. So we're, we're moving up. We're moving up. That's that's called progress, baby. That's yeah. called progress. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Our pass rush is not that good. Um, Josh Allen, the, the thing with Josh Allen, he was phenomenal last year, but he also had Calais Campbell and Unique Ngakwe on the line to alleviate the pressure. Now, because Allen is the only good piece on the defensive line in terms of rushing the passer, everyone's just keying on him and he hasn't been as productive. Although we did get pressure last Sunday against Houston. Um, our defensive tackles, Devon Hamilton has actually been very good stopping the run. Our run defense was atrocious uh, with Avery Jones and David Bryan in the lineup. And then we put Devon Hamilton, our third round pick from Ohio State in the lineup. And the Chargers game and the Texans game, we actually did a pretty good job stopping the run. So maybe we're, maybe we're coming up on that. Uh, linebacker Miles Jack is playing out of his mind right now. He's one of the few positives I can say about this team. He has so much speed on the outside. He's making play after play. When he's healthy, he is one of the best linebackers in football. Mm-hmm. Secondary has been very, very poor. I'll, I'll put it that way. Uh, Sidney Jones has been a surprising revelation. We signed him uh, after Philly cut him. He's been pretty good. CJ Henderson has been up and down, had that great debut against the Colts, played really well against the Titans, uh, but hasn't looked great a few times. He got burned against Miami. He got burned twice against uh, Houston last week, pass interference, and then the uh, Will Fuller 77-yard touchdown, which should have been called back because there were the play clock was at zero for four seconds. I don't know how that was one of the strangest delay game. No calls I've ever seen, but safety. We traded away Ronnie Harrison to Cleveland. We replaced him with Josh Jones. He's been awful. And when he's not doing nothing, he's getting 15 yard penalties. So we replaced him with with uh, Daniel Thomas, our fifth round pick from Auburn. Uh, he looked good on Sunday. Um, too early to tell with him, but he looked all right. And he had a, he had a touchdown against the chargers on a block punt. So I think we might be turning a corner, but then again, I don't know if it's because of the offenses we're playing. We haven't faced anyone like Aaron Rodgers all season, so sure. I'm not keeping my hopes up. I mean, if I, if I had to guess, you're going you're gonna to score thir- at least 30 on us. Our defense is a far cry from what it was three years ago. Yeah, and, and you know, that's the thing. Like, you, you mentioned before, like, letting go, like, Lazard, and my inbox is usually full every single time the Eagles play, and they're like, why did we get rid of Fulgham again? We signed it for a hot second, then we... We let him go. Why that happened, you know, and maybe it's one of those things that, you know, these players, especially if like they're unhappy there or whatever, like they just need a different fit, you know, different team to kind of like emerge as, as being uh, players like, you know, at a high caliber. But I think, um, yeah, if the Packers lose on Sunday, there's going to be some problems from everything you're telling me, <laughs> there's going to be, there's going to be issues, but yeah. looting, yeah, there's only one yeah. game on tape. So you got the element of surprise. Right. That, yeah. The thing with Luna is that I'm excited to see what he can bring because he made some deep throws. The, he made the throws that Minshew can't make. Mm. Uh, I said before that Minshew started off slow in pretty much every single game. Luton, his second pass was a touchdown. Uh, I, something, I, I forget the exact yards, but it was, it, was over, it was over 70 yards to DJ Chark. Uh, 
he started off strong. He made deep throws. He's not as mobile, but then again, he got outside the pocket in the uh, two-minute drill against the Texans at the very end and then had a stiff arm and a spin move to score a touchdown. I that, saw that. That sh- shocked me because yeah. it, it, it's funny because when I was watching that game, I jokingly said, come on, use your speed. And I said that as a joke because when I scouted Luden uh, even before the draft, even before we got him, we got him. And I was like, this guy can make a solid backup. I like him. Uh, the only thing with him, he doesn't make dumb decisions, but he is not mobile at all. Mm. He's not mobile in the slightest bit. So I jokingly said when he got out of the pocket, use your speed, take off. And then he lays a Derrick Henry-like stiff arm and a Lamar Jackson spin move. I'm like, where did that come from? Where was that at Oregon State? Uh, <laughs> so I, I want to see with Luton if that was a one-game fluke or if that's a sign of things to come. But he looked all right. Um, he gives me some hope. And I'm excited to watch what he can do because he actually has deep ball accuracy. He was throwing guys open. He... Yes, there are problems with him. He made a few throws that should have been picked off. Um, and he does stare down some receivers from time to time. But mm. again, six-round pick, no preseason whatsoever. That was his first time he was active all season. And for a first game, I know the Texans' defense is a bit battered up. That wasn't too bad. I, I was pleasantly surprised by how well he played. Yeah. So we'll see what he can do on Sunday. Yeah, can't complain about that. Can't <laughs> complain about that. Con, I appreciate you coming back on. Four years later, uh, catching up and talking everything's Jaguars. Uh, I'm looking forward to playing on Sunday. Hope uh, I hope you get what you're looking for. <laughs> that's Same that's the you. best that I could say there because you're telling me you're looking for a loss, and I hope that we can provide you with that loss. I want a close, fun game that we like the Texans game. We lost by two on a two point conversion. Luton had a, had a, what should have been a game time drive. We lost on a two point conversion. I don't want to get blown out. I want to have fun. I want to look good. I want Luton to look amazing. Uh, but I would not bind a loss in the slightest bit. Okay. I'm, you know what? I'm okay with that. (laughs) (laughs) I, I appreciate coming on. Please tell all the people where they can find you and everything that you do. Uh, so I have a YouTube channel right now called Jaguar Gator 9. If you want to check that out, it's about NFL history. I post daily content on pretty much anything and everything having to do with the NFL. Uh, I've actually got a Packers video uh, coming out today because this video drops something. So I've got a Packers video coming out today uh, about the Packers-Lions game from 1986, the Thanksgiving classic between those two teams. Uh, if you like seeing stuff like that, I also, if you want on that channel, I don't know if you saw this off season, uh, but I did a mock red zone. Um, so what I did was I took six games that happened at one o'clock during the 1988 season, pieced them all together. Uh, that's on my channel as well. Uh, Andrew Siciliano, Scott Hansen, both acknowledged me. They retweeted it. They, that's awesome. they so that, that was, that was a lot of fun. Uh, so I had that go check out that YouTube channel. And then also every Tuesday night on Twitch at 9 p.m. Eastern, I do some live NFL trivia uh, on my Twitch channel, Jaguar Gator 9. So if you want to check that out, uh, every Tuesday night, we get about 20 people per game. We give away cash prizes to the winners. So go check that out. It's, it's a whole lot of fun. We, we play for about two hours and we, we have some fun doing it. So yeah, my YouTube channel, Jaguar Gator 9, and my Twitch channel, Jaguar Gator 9 as well. And yeah, this was a, this was a blast. Thank you for having me on. <laughs> Absolutely, man. I, I, I really appreciate it. I, I wish you... Best of luck. I hope you get your franchise QB. Uh, just take care of Gardner Minshew for as long as you have him because he is a precious soul. And so we will take care of him. That's it. <laughs> Thank you, buddy. This has been great. You can always find me at TomGrassaComedy.com and TomGrassaComedy, all the places you know where to find me. You're watching it here. So thank you so much for watching. I'm Tom Grassi. And as always, go back, go.